back after a fucking hiatus. The Year Zero podcast brought to you by uh, Bravado Spice, maker of great things to destroy your asshole. Uh, with me today is uh, Radu Bondar. Hi. Yo. Hi, buddy. Hey. How's it going? Yeah, it's interesting. It's one. Allergies are going. Yeah, you know. we both got that going on. We were sharing allergy medicine. That yeah. was fun. It's kind of like sharing drugs, but not as as exciting. Sharing really boring yeah. retired people drugs. But man, that 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 Walletin. That Walletin will do you it's up. So it's a, a lifesaver. Maybe that's why I had such a bad set last night because I was taking allergy medicine. Mm. I'm just trying to find reasons why I did yeah, so yeah, terribly. Yeah. yeah. No, nah, Mercury was in retrograde. Shit like. No, that. no, Mercury, uh, Mercury is is out of retrograde, so oh, people I can quit bi- quit bitching about it. God damn, this is how it's gonna go. I'm I was worried. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I always like to make uh, mer- Mercury and retrograde jokes because I think it's like the most bullshit thing to complain about. I don't know what it means outside of context clues. I know that people. So have weird things about the planets aligning, and retro means backwards. Yeah, when Mer- Mercury is in retrograde, it's when it's going away from us, mm-hmm. and so like that that gravity pull is supposed to affect people, but it it's fucking dumb. Like w- other planets' gravity doesn't affect us whatsoever. We we're in our own little bubble of of gravity. We're yeah, affected I feel by like maybe like at a subatomic level at best. But like, even then, like if if the cosmic shit that's flying through astronauts can't get to us from our magnetic field, why would that bother us? But uh, I don't know if if people who believe in crystals and their dreams mean things want something to blame their bad attitudes on, go for it, dude. I have I have way too many experiences with people who fuck with like the, the crystals. Uh-huh. I'm a fish guy, like with a pH. Uh huh. Like I do the jam band thing. I used to follow them around. Yeah. It was a miserable part of my life. <laughs> I. And I'm like this with sports too. I love fish. I hate fish fans. I yeah. hate the fucking neo hippy dippy like whatever kind of people, you know. Because you'd talk to someone, they would be like interested in the same, you know, socio political concepts or books or whatever, and you'd be like, Wow, this guy's pretty cool and then like two hours into it they'd be like, Oh, also I got this new crystal that you only have to clean once a year and you're like, Oh shit, man, I just invested two hours into you. <laughs> I gotta throw do it you away. Uh, do you watch the show High Maintenance on yeah. HBO? Yeah. Okay, so there was. Uh, do you, have you watched all of them? I've watched the first two. Okay, well there was this one I watched last night, and uh, it's about this dude that's doing like polyrhythmic sleep. So he's sleeping like five times a day, but twenty minutes at a time. So he's up like that. he's up twenty two hours a day. And then he's out on a date with a chick, and he's like explaining where he got the idea from, and he <laughs> ends up saying like. Uh, so my last girlfriend, like we broke up because we went out to this retreat and there came a moment where uh, we were having a crystal crystal ceremony <laughs> and you needed to insert the crystals into your sexual organs yeah. because that's the center of, of your energy. Yeah. And uh, if you if you really think about it, it's much more traumatic for the males. <laughs> it's like all she had to do was slip it in there. <laughs> and then he's like, and then you get to keep it. And he pulls out like the dick crystal yeah like good god that went up your pee hole like yeah hypothetically granted yeah. this person's not well i hope this person's real since that's what the show is kind of like built as but yeah, yeah check man. out high maintenance on hbo really good always check out hbo just in general yeah. <laughs> they're good they're doing good stuff yeah every time i go on my hbo go i hit movies and it's always on just added because i've watched every movie that's on my yeah. hbo go so i'm just always like let me just check just added let me just check just added you ever have like a weird 
like itch that needs to be scratched with the movies. Like for me, I yeah. like, I don't know. I just like wake up like like a Sunday. Like I well, I'll woke up late. It's three for whatever reason. And I'm uh, like, man, I gotta watch like five Billy Crystal movies. <laughs> I have a really bad gambling problem. Yeah. So um, to sate the urge to gamble, I watch uh, gambler movies. And so like <laughs> just the other night when I when I messaged you. And I was like, hey, like, what time's good for you? It's like, I'm not taking my medication. Shit's getting weird. Like, <laughs> I stayed up until 6 o'clock that night watching, like, gambler movies. Uh, two stuck out great that I haven't seen before was uh, The Gambler with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And uh, Wild Card with Jason Statham. Haven't seen that second one. And both of those were fucking great. Like, The Gambler with Mark Wahlberg was easily one of his best movies, in my opinion. Like, better than Mark his. would say that, too. He would? He would. I, I hope he would. <laughs> I my like favorite, him. my favorite is probably Rounders. Rounders is, as far as gambling w- movies go. yeah, uh, it, it's up there in my in my gambler movie. Because thing. I, one of my friends is in that kind of like in the underground illicit poker lifestyle. Yeah, and it's not that exciting, or maybe that was you know more of a contextual sort of period and specific to New York, but it is. A lot of the mannerisms are the same. A lot of like the just normalizing this like insane betting patterns and shit. Yeah. Like, there you go. I don't know. It's twenty thousand dollars. Like it's not. Well, you're you're down for the week, but you know you you can't. What are you gonna just gonna walk away? It, it's it's definitely a weird. Uh, it puts your head in a, in a weird place. Like uh, blackjack was always my thing. Yeah. And like most of my life, I've been poor. I've I, was, I grew up poor. I'm poor now. My family comes from money, but I've personally like I've been in possession of ungodly amounts of money and it's it's crazy uh somebody uh, i was talking to nathaniel Ponce last night and he was like well uh like what happens when you're up like is it is it the urge to saying like hey you know when, when do you stop and it's like well you know it's hard because it's it's a twofold problem when yeah. you're up and you're going up your mind's saying like write it you're hot like there's no reason to stop now you don't give you don't break a combo for no reason exactly <laughs> and then when you're going down you're on your way down you're like well historically i've i've pulled myself out of out of worse like i've gone down and i've come <laughs> back up it's just like no exactly there's no part that you can't find a way to justify <laughs> and that's what makes it a gambling problem that's yeah. what makes it like traumatic and you can't like there's no like uh like if you if you're an alcoholic which mm-hmm. i've been an alcoholic and i stopped drinking but I, I can have like a celebratory drink i can go out and have drinks like one night and like i think i've gotten over that addictive part of it but but gambling no uh uh-uh. can't like, pull a single slot like uh, slot machines I could still do like slot machines, lottery tickets, but yeah. like if I sit down at a table Ooh, and I have anything stuck. more than two hundred dollars on me, like I'm gonna fucking ride it as far as it'll go. Well, also I feel like in today, so my friend is a mostly he's an online poker player, uh-huh. um, and I would watch him. We lived together for a while, and I would watch him. He'd play Hold'em or Omaha online, and he'd have like six to seven tables up. You know, like just like all the different windows. He's playing in multiple games. You have when you have that many games going, you have like an average of like, I don't know, two and a half seconds to make a decision based on like what the board's telling you, what cards you have and who's raising and what patterns or whatever. And he's just like it's just like another thing he's doing. It's just it's just work at that point. He's Mm -hmm. like managing a social media account and it's fucking boring, you know. But I was like, dude, how, how can you handle that? How can it be so blase and so mundane? But also, there's like I don't know seven thousand dollars somehow in the mix. Yeah, and you're just like gonna get up occasionally and pee and drink a smoothie, and that's your life right now. Like, well, how are you not free? How are you not on fire? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I when I, I 
I'm glad I don't live in a place where gambling is legal. Oh yeah, I I've I've wanted to move to Vegas so much, but I can't. Yeah, cause no, I don't I don't know that I'm necessarily a gambling addict. I'm more like a binge gambler. Yeah. Like, and I have that mentality. If we go to like Charles or New Orleans, or yeah. I bring you know I'm like right, I'm I love lose, hitting the boats. I'm gonna lose. Three hundred dollars, like that's money I, I pulled out. I know I'm gonna lose it. I'm, yeah. There's not part of me that's like I'm coming home a winner, daddy. You know, I'm just like it's done. And then you lose like the three hundred dollars, and you're like, man, I know my girlfriend's ATM number. It's yeah, like, I know I can. What's yeah. fifty dollars? Like who's that? Exactly. Guy? And, no, and that if it's your last fifty and you you win all the way back, like then then you did a good thing. Yeah, you're a good guy. So you do have a gal. You have like the the seeds of a gambling. Yeah, 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 You yeah. just haven't had you haven't had a streak that 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 brought it out. Like I that when I was a kid, I liked blackjack. Uh, and then when once I could gamble, I uh, you know went to Louisiana and I was like, man, I'm I'm good at this. And mm-hmm. then I've I've taken you know I've taken vigs and gone to Vegas. And come up good, come back, and and had a savings account for two years. Yeah. Or I've taken a vig, gone to Vegas, and through better judgment, just came home with just enough to pay that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I've 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 had thirty six thousand dollars in front of me before, and didn't know <laughs> to stop. And I was just like, fuck. So I look back on it like I could easily just go and grab you know two grand and go and 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 do it. Yeah. But I'll fucking I'll I'll piss it all away. Again. Yeah, no, man. And I, I I don't know. I, I have I want to say three or four friends who have either dabbled or been like pretty far deep in the pool. One of them actually like when he was living in Jersey, he was like a paid player. Like yeah, it, it, essentially like you know investors would approach him and they're like, yeah, all right, we're giving you five to ten. He grand. got staked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was a staked player. He played mostly online, but like he, I guess he had a once a week run to Atlantic City or something like. And he made like a decent living, like like pretty good money or whatever. But he was like, he was telling me that when he was playing staked, it was that one thing, that one little dimension shift that could get him to see money as money and not yeah. just like the fuel for the game. Exactly. And so he wasn't playing with his money. So th- he was once removed from. Yeah. The, yeah. He might play a little nittier. He might be a little more conservative sometimes. Yeah. But it was like it was more of a business decision than this sort of like hedonistic you know ritual yeah. of just giving yourself what you want at the moment and he was like but that shit that shit was boring man yeah. i want to go to vegas and lose that all <laughs> yeah. i no. want to burn the house down fucking totally like to this day like i still want to like i, I talk about it all the time like man i could just you know grab two thousand dollars like borrow it from somebody and just go fucking turn it into something get my life out of the shitter but there's a chance like i'll just lose it all again you know what's the saddest part of a casino that like credit office that yeah. they have there's like a line usually and it's all like the most defeated looking people yeah. just like fathers that should be somewhere <laughs> you know and there's like a guy inside like trying to argue that his corolla is worth more than the 700 dollars they're offering him yeah <laughs> and he's gonna take it he's like gonna yeah. put up a fight but he's like fuck it 700, 700. it's just like being in a pawn shop too it's like you're, you're gonna take what they offer you yeah but it's like being in a pawn shop that's also the drug dealer yeah like it's there's nothing sadder i want to say in western like advanced civilization than that that little interaction between like just give us the shit that you bought or someone gave you and yeah. you can gamble a little longer see like i i've i've never gone for for credit at the casino i always like i i still have connections for for loan sharks and everything so i, I still just like all right 
you know, yeah, Gavin's uh, like, I need my car, but my knees are expendable. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 at that point, it all becomes an, an argument about, you know, how many points you're going to get on your, your loan. And yeah. that's at, at this point, I, I I have a history, but also like I haven't done anything in a while. So I'd probably be getting like three points, which is fucking ridiculous. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you're also a comedian in Houston. That's where we are. This Do the is, comedy. Yeah. How long have you been doing comedy? Um, this is right around three years for me. Yeah. I started when I was 18. Um, I guess a couple months before I turned 19. I keep forgetting you're a lot younger than I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, face, man. I got yeah. like a older face cause I was born near radiation. Yeah. Chernobyl is a real thing. Aren't you like three countries away from Chernobyl? I was like, my home city is like 180 kilometers. Like oh, we're that's the border yeah. across like, okay. Uh, yeah. Closer than the distance from here to like, I'm know, fuzzy on my East Block geography. Yeah, everybody is because that shit doesn't matter. That's not. <laughs> that'll never help you with anything ever. It's like those those uh, those borders never even stuck around longer than like two generations. For real. And if yeah. you meet someone that's from the Balkans and you know that area pretty well, they just get suspicious. Like, what the fuck do you know that for? Like, <laughs> what are you? Who you been talking to? Yeah. What's your dad do? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I was. Uh, Chernobyl is a funny thing, man. That happened in, I think, 82 or 81, yeah. early 80s. My parents were in middle school or high school, I want to say. Well, they've uh, they've traced like a wave of like subtle birth defects across the entire across world. Across the entire world, yeah. Well, the nuclear cloud took six months to spread, right? Yeah. Like to get all the way to the east coast of the United States. Yeah. Um, my parents didn't know what Chernobyl was, yeah. what happened for nearly a year because that's how slowly information spread in communism. Yeah. Like they were close enough that on the periphery, on the horizon, they could hear a little like, you know, like a, like a people heard it and there was a little bit of a tremor and the power was like in and out for the next three days. Yeah. And the government just started showing up with Geiger meters and stuff. <laughs> and they were like, what is happening right now? And they were like, um, a new chemical plant nearby. We gotta find out if it's uh, it's in the water. No, don't worry. Just uh, wear scarves and uh, try to breathe less, <laughs> and you'll be fine. Why does your Russian official sound like he's from New Jersey? He's, you know, he's, there's a lot of Romanian Orthodox Jews, I guess. And I don't know, it's <laughs> just like, whenever I think of like someone doing something in like that's like conspicuous, that's something shitty, but like trying to pass it off as not shitty for whatever reason that becomes my voice and it's not like i don't it's not a stereotype it's like a tv thing yeah yeah so when you see people on they're just uh it's no just mind your business um there's like the the, the bugsy voice for like a criminal yeah yeah well i, I want to say it's from yeah <laughs> it's from cartoons yeah that's, uh that's where you see it but like yeah, yeah. what i realized is that like a lot of pr- probably 90 percent of comedic voices are come down to like like traditional jewish voices yeah and you know half my family back home is jewish well yeah that's who invented comedy was the jews absolutely (laughs) no it's like the language of comedy yeah uh because so so much more of it has to do with timing than content and jews invented timing I mean, I guess that's a statement I can agree with. I don't know. <laughs> I just like e- even looking at just I think regu- timing exists without us acknowledging. Well, well it. yeah, yeah. Comedic timing was just like so established in just Jewish conversationalism. Yeah. 
and it's just like how they talk to themselves. Like they were fucking like y'all are dropping jokes left and right, but nobody's laughing because like y'all are having a serious yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like matter. that, that, that a, timing a, was there. It's, it's a thing. Let's say I was raised like you know before Israel was a thing. Probably the majority of the Jewish population was in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Um, my family was Christian Orthodox, which is like the other side of the coin of Catholic. Yeah. We yeah. Have, it totally. We have uh, weirder shit. Our priests can marry, but like the churches are crazier. But uh, retrospectively, I realized I was raised like mostly culturally Jewish because the area that I lived in. That was like predominantly the the culture and the pop culture. Uh, the half of my family that is Jewish had a much stronger culture. Like yeah. the, the Romanian people didn't have a really strong culture during communism. It was really just like every. Well, nobody did. Some people did. Some different countries did. Like the well, Czech was Republic. that part of uh, communism was sort of like suppressing that like individuality, like among things like kind no, of, that no, was we're like, that was the ideological perspective that was like what was tried to be accomplished but it really never came down to that because if you had to imagine how much micromanaging that is yeah it's just damn near impossible yeah. but what it does what it did do is that systematically it created this thing where certain cultures didn't feel as strong anymore because they they um their constructs like whatever was inside of them felt like it had been on earth it felt like it would been thrown away or extinguished yeah but jewish culture at least like the the you know the the cultural Jewishness that existed and remained at the time was never extinguished. It it had always gone through shitty times. It had always gone through whatever. And 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 I want to say that people uh, in the country used that, adhered to that culture stronger during shittier times yeah. because it was that you know it's, you're holding on to reality. Um, but you, you know, like it, whenever my parents talk about comedy, there's not a lot of funny stories. The funny stories are from like my uncle nori and like people like people who actually had free they were allowed to go to israel occasionally yeah whenever they wanted to actually uh but for whatever reason they just keep coming back to romania like every <laughs> few months they just keep they just come to hang out and tell everybody what it was like yeah in the free world you know he'd go to israel and then he'd, he'd come work in like i want to say chicago or cincinnati or something and then he'd go back and whatever and he'd show up and like my grandparents were like fucking famished like they hadn't eaten they were they'd been waiting in food lines for forever yeah. and they were like you know which is it's been a week since we were able to get a little bit of sugar <laughs> i would be like oh i had so much sugar you don't want that it you bloated all the time it's terrible it's sugar's <laughs> the enemy and, and put so and, much sugar in that coffee there <laughs> my grandparents were just like what the fuck are you talking about man i want clean water and like calories it's like uh, they're eating each other over here yeah and he's still like I I you know I obviously met him when he was older I met him when he was in his sixties and he still recants he's like I can't believe your grandparents wanted that sh it was terrible oh it's the worst it irritates you and my bowels are just oh <laughs> and I'm like dude do you not realize people were hungry man <laughs> like that's they were on the edge of cannibalism you're talking about your diet yeah they no it cannibalism totally happened yeah. in communist Russia like and. The I USSR. Like, I like the gulags and stuff. I don't know. I try to talk about communism in my comedy sometimes because like... Well, nobody understands it. It's it's such a, a foreign concept to Americans in general and generationally. It, it's so far beyond, far removed, and now everyone just has memories of, oh, commies are bad people. Yeah, but well, even, in the, even when we were like in the thick of it, yeah. you know, we really... The information that we worked with was not to say that it wasn't good information, but it, it's, it was polarizing stuff. And it was like, 
when you hear about like a one-off, like some thing that happens today in North Korea, you immediately generalize it to the rest of the thing because that's how you have, that's how your brain has to work. You have so little information. Yeah. About it. You're like, I guess everybody just believes that, you know, the dictator can fly and controls the weather and doesn't have a butthole. You know? Yeah. And so that's a little bit what it was like. And, and if you talk to people who lived in it, they're like, no, it wasn't, you weren't constantly scared. You were just, you know, it was a little miserable. There was a surface level of miserable. But then above that, it was everything was goofy. Like yeah. everything was so ridiculous because these people ran practical communism and occasionally they remembered that communism had ideologies and they tried to snap them back into place. Yeah. You know? Like religion was a big thing that like nobody's going to come and tell you don't go to church, especially like you're, you're an old lady. Yeah. You want to change the system of government. You can't piss off the old ladies. They're the lifeblood of a country. Yeah. <laughs> so they let old ladies go to church and then kids who wanted to do anything that someone told them not to do would start escorting old ladies to church. My parents would escort random old ladies to church just to get the fuck out of the house, just yeah. to do something past curfew. You know what I mean? So like weird stuff like that happened. You know, they banned Santa Claus for 30 years. That was a thing. Yeah, that was. They were like, no Santa Claus. He's rewarding capitalist tendencies. We don't need that. But uh, you would think they would be a fan of Santa Claus. He does dress in red. Yeah, you, he dresses in red. He's sort of a populist like folk hero. Yeah. And he doesn't. He doesn't just. And he gave toys to everybody. Exactly. He doesn't just, uh, you know, fucking reward the bourgeoisie. He'll, he doesn't care what kind of fucking shitty life you live. He'll yeah. give you, you're a good person. He gives you a toy. But no, they they didn't like the uh, the sort of reward system. And, and even even if you were bad, you got coal. And in 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 communist USSR, like that shit. was a good thing too. Coal's that was still a present. You get to bring it home to your family, and now you got coal, and yeah. you can do all kinds of you know filter water. I guess I don't know what happens with coal. It's like you're the new dad now. You brought coal home. <laughs> yeah, you're a man now, <laughs> young boy. But yeah, the teachers, my grandmother was a teacher. The teachers revolted. Yeah. Like, it was a very passive revolt, but like they were like, yo, kids are asking us about Santa Claus and we're educators. We're supposed to tell them answers and we're just being quiet. Like we can't do this. So the, the you know, the propaganda bureau invents comrade class. <laughs> and oh that was God. a thing that my parents grew up. And my parents, like, you know, back home, my, my parents, their, their parents told them about Santa Claus. But out in public, yeah. you just had to acknowledge comrade cause. You had to pretend like that's what we all fuck with. We don't care about you know the fat red. So guy. so what comrade Claus what probably dresses the same and then just gives everybody. He coal. dresses similar but no red, just gray. Okay. His beard isn't white. And he and he made the kids wait in line for coal. I, I would assume lines were involved yeah. practically, but in you know in the folklore they wouldn't be in the folklore. He comes to you, I guess. Really, the only facts that because my parents like. They don't even, it was so ridiculous, you just blot it out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you hear new stuff about what's happening with uh, like pop select, like reality TV stars, yeah. Kim Kardashian, stuff like that, you hear so much of it, you just start to blot it out and you'll never be able to tell people what you actually, what the actual information was. People are actually writing articles now about a sentiment that I've always agreed with. And it's like, hey, Kim Kardashian's still a human. Maybe y'all should like shut the fuck up. Yeah. And like I kind of always had that, that viewpoint. Like, Man, y'all are going like way too deep in like dissing this person, and uh, I think that's like a, I think that's a kind of narrow way to think about it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't think that she's still. Obviously, we should think that she's still a human. Um, yeah, like you, I think you can make fun of her for being a garbage, you know, person, but still like leave some humanity in in what you said. But like, just making jokes about. Then again. 
I also don't like censorship in in any form. So at the same time, like fuck yeah, it. Yeah, like, there's a difference uh, between censorship and insensitivity and boundaries and shit. But like it, it's gotten to a point where it's pretty insensitive. But do you think that Kim Kardashian works without being polarizing? You know what I mean? Uh, I I think it's in her wheelhouse, and she knows like she knows what side her bread's buttered on. Absolutely. Like I I think that. If you ask him about it, you're like, hey, you want people to stop saying some people, not everyone. A lot. Most people love her. You want some people to stop saying terrible, terrible things about you. Or do you want to go back to not being important? Yeah. She'll tell you fucking write whatever you want. Like, yeah. Because that's how it works. And I'm not saying it's like a necessary evil trade off. But I think that the way that you create that culture where, where our eyes are so glued, you know, is that you have some people that are talking mad shit. Because what happens when some people talk mad shit, it makes the people who really love her go, what? What are you saying? Like, yeah. she's the best, you know, whatever. And and it's you're, you're always in the conversation. I think Kim and Kanye are the like literally if, if SNL like 15 years ago had to write. Like oh my god, a joke about like or a sketch about like a, the most hilarious but like perfect marriage. That's what it would be. Yeah. I don't think that I would actually even get close to what the reality is because they're both such polarizing figures that like y- y- whatever they do might be great. I don't know. I can't speak for Kim because I don't I don't know what what she produces. But I don't I don't know. I, I like I like to consume what Kanye makes, but also the other part of what what has made them these monoliths, just these leviathans, is the contentiousness. Yeah, yeah, and just just being a character in and of itself and i and wish that sentence i just said wasn't so pretentious but those are just the words man nah, just nah, came that, out. It, it just do you ap do english you. will do that yeah. man i went through ap english too and still my vocabulary is like comfortable yeah but you 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 can tell you're holding back you're like yeah. you sometimes monolith is on your mind and you're like nah i don't need a big thing that's yeah, better now there like i i have this thing where um like it takes me a while to be around somebody before I get comfortable enough to like like go into my rants and like just get really like nitpicky and and almost like philosophical to a point. Um, well, I, I don't know where I was going. Luckily, this, this shit can be edited. Oh yeah, yeah, editing is great. Um, so we we dabbled on communism for a while, then took a little break with the Kardashians, um, which was a a, a perfect transition. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about let's talk about comedy in general? What do you think about the the Houston comedy scene? Uh, I like just, it. Just thoughts on on comedy. Like, wh- what's comedy doing for you right now? Comedy doing for me? Not paying the bills. That's that's what's not paying anybody's no. bills. Surely not mine. Um, it's not paying the bills. The comedy for me has just in the last you know year or a few months gotten to the point where it's a fun amount of of money that just pops up. Yeah. Occasionally. I'm like, I have fifty more dollars this week. That's an interesting thing. <laughs> like, yeah, isn't, like isn't that something? If if I made uh if I was busier in my day job, like the money I do get off comedy, which is all like behind the scenes comedy money. Like I'm not getting paid to perform yet, but I'm still making a good You're running uh, shows, you're producing. It's, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm making money. Um if my day job was performing at, at, at the level it should be, like that would be great. Like I'd, I would be like buying leather jackets <laughs> and <laughs> more red shoes and just all sorts of shit. We're getting just a lot of insight into what you think that <laughs> spending should look like. Well, there's this leather jacket, and uh, I, I'm a lanky individual. I, I'm I'm almost six one, and I weigh like 180 pounds. So yeah. like I, I'm very lanky. I've got long arms. I I. Uh, my arms are 27 inches long fr- from from shoulder to, to wrist. Uh, my chest is 
a 41. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is if I buy a leather jacket that fits 41 in the chest and 27 in the arms. It's going to have fucking crazy. The sleeves are like fucking barrels. Well, uh, and and the the, the 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 chest of it I'm is an even bigger barrel. Wiry dude problems are constantly looked over. We are the only demographic of people that it is totally okay to shit on yeah. all the time and not accommodate. And nobody's gonna say anything because oh, they're skinny, thin is happy. I guess right. It's like no, it's just a fucking shape. It's just another thing. Well, why do I have to buy my clothes in youth or women all the time? Yeah. <laughs> and it sucks. Like that. There's there's a stigma to. Uh, like men with eating disorders too and it's something that like i can never really talk about and like i i struggle with it but it's like oh no you're a man like that that's that's a lady problem but anyway as i was saying i found this retailer mm. that has uh, a leather primo cut leather jacket mm. and a primo cuts like you know the you know the ramones jacket yeah yeah, yeah. and uh that's what it's called i i, I say like oh i want a primo jacket people are like what the fuck's a primo jacket i'm like that's that's a primo jacket mm. Um, and anyway, it fits snug in the chest is long enough and it's 27, uh, sleeves, but they're, you know, the sleeves are only about that fucking big round, like perfect for me. And it's like $396 and like, I've wanted it for years mm. and like one day, like I'm going to buy that with comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it is a satisfying thing when you buy something with comedy. It's, it's obviously not, can't be a top shelf item, but. It is a fun little like, oh, I earned this with my creative sign. I yeah. Fucking, I didn't sell out for this, you know. I fucking, I sat down and was miserable for a while and, and got through it, you know. Oh, I, I would sell out if somebody would offer. That, yeah, that's one buying. thing. If you're out there, buyers. Yeah. It's cheap. People always complain about sellouts. You know, they do. People want to descend descend on, on sellouts. And like, really, like, no, you are just mad that no one's offered to buy you. You sell, dog. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot what I think it's boiler room. Or we're not selling out, we're buying in. Yeah. That was my bet. that was my favorite justification for a shitty thing ever. <laughs> I was like, that's what I'm gonna say forever. I feel like um like Wolf of Wall Street gave a lot of people a lot of fuel to just like do whatever it was to like make themselves successful. Like just cut anybody off at the at the knees. And justify American it. Revolution did that way before. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but now well, th- th- this is a this is a new generation. Mm. Like kids aren't learning history nowadays. Like they're, they're learning from movies. Like th- th- this is their you know yeah. ethics. Is is HBO Go? You think about that with your kids? Do you like foster and do you like supplement in some movies that you think you're like? Well, you're not going to pick this up in language arts, but maybe if I have uh, watch enough of these you know Scorsese movies, you'll I know have how to a talk. list. Yeah. I have a list of of movies I want them to see and when I'm going to show them to them. Mm. That's weird. Like I have stayed up, you know, a sleepless night and like almost on a on a spreadsheet came yeah. up with this list of when I will let them see this movie and I'm like I'm going to make them fucking watch it. Like, yeah. All right, cheaper by the dozen too. Maybe when you're eight. <laughs> And it's like, uh, oh, I can't wait to show them The Departed. And I, I don't, when's a good age to, to show kid The Departed? I don't know what someone learns from The Departed besides what an awesome movie is. I yeah. think 13, 12 or 13 is. Yeah. That, I, in this day and age, it might already be. I think I already had a preference for movies. That's, that's the weird thing about the information age is that you. it's not that we have shittier or whatever. We just have preferences for stuff a lot earlier. Yeah. You know? Well, I figured I'd hold on to the departed to when they asked, like, hey, dad, what's, you know, what's your other family like? You know, the <laughs> family they don't know. And I was like, well. When you don't want to explain your familial history, you're like, fucking check this out. Leo and Wahlberg, they, they'll, they, 
do you see the way that they say car? You see that? That's what my family's like. It's like this, this is what my uncles are like. Like the, this is the family you'll never see. Like before they had money, they did stuff like this. You see how they have a speech impediment that everyone thinks is affable because it's from Boston? That's what it's like. Yeah. Uh, they and it's so funny. They have like no idea. Like to to them, like Texas is the world. Like they have no idea. Like but when I was their age, I had already moved so many times, mm-hmm. and uh. I feel kind of bad for them. Like, I do want them to move, like, fucking move cross-country. Like, sure, I yeah. just, like, fucking do it. Like, I tell their mother, like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll make it happen. Like, mm. if we can't, if you can't afford it by yourself, like, I'll fill in the gaps, whatever. Just, like, just fucking do it. It's like they tell you with traveling. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could travel, but I don't have enough money. I was like, that's not the point. Like, mm. if, and it's just, like, people are talking about, like, oh, I don't want to have kids until I'm ready. I'm like, you can't afford kids ever. <laughs> yeah, there's never a dope time. Yeah, like it doesn't matter how much money you make. Your it once you go to a new tax bracket, that kid now costs exponentially more. Boom. Like nobody can afford kids. No one can just like, all right, I got X amount of money in my bank account. That's good for one kid. I feel like even if you have like such a gargantuan amount of money that you can afford anything really, now kids are just getting in the way of you being able to spend that money. Exactly. <laughs> that like, and that too. There's never a dope time. And so, like, they tell people with uh, traveling, like, just go fucking do it and figure it out on the way. And that's why, like, man, I tell her, like, if you want to move across the country, just move across the country. Like, just make it happen. We'll do it. I also don't think it's not it's not too bad to just live because there's a whole I don't think anything is, uh, you know, implicitly good or bad. There's just a different set of experiences and wealth of knowledge that comes like I lived all in one place. Mostly I, I summered it back in like my. I don't. I hate that I use summer as a verb. Yeah, I got sent. Shit. I got sent back to Romania over the summers. My parents just had like an off season. You know? Yeah, I don't think that sounds just as pretentious if you say like, "Oh, I summered in Romania." We were summering in the Hamptons. No, yeah, like, summering in the Hamptons as opposed is to we summered in the Balkans. I can't believe we made it out. Like, <laughs> that's more the. No, I, I would get sent back, so I had like some idea that the world is big, you know. Yeah. But really, my my um. All of my life was spent essentially in Houston until I was 15. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't a terrible way because you do you do start to go to a couple other places or maybe now you reside somewhere else and like it's slowly it's like an onion you know it slowly starts yeah. like peeling back and you're like holy shit there's all this stuff and that's a cool way kind of too because the kids that I knew that moved around either army kids or like different whatever the situation was they moved around a whole lot it's not like they were less well adjusted or less well rounded but they did have their own different background and they had their own approach to making friendships and I can't say which is better or worse you know what I mean I don't think any anyone is better or worse it's just a different kind of wheelhouse yeah you know it's like trying to compare like what's is it better to play linebacker or quarterback or what it's like well they're all different and you can't win without every piece you know but i do want them to do like some sort of moving though because the town they live in it's uh it's a small town and it still has a small town mentality but it's like locked in by other cities so there's no room for this little city to grow where they live it's in deer park and okay, so where yeah. Pasadena is, yeah. and yeah, then it's yeah, yeah. Laporte, and they're blocked in by Pasadena and Laporte, and uh, Laporte offers nothing. Yeah, and so it's just this like closed off little town, and and there's nowhere to to go into this town. So, like my high school graduating class, either you left Deer Park and never looked back, or you fucking stayed You're there. You're still in Deer Park right now, bagging groceries at Randall's and killing it. Like, oh, there's no Randall's in Deer Park. No. They, they, uh, all their, the only grocery store in Deer Park Deer now Park. is uh, there's a food town in Deer food Park. Food town. Yeah, 
And everybody worked there. I used to work there. If everybody worked there. Y'all don't know about there. Food Town. Yeah. Y'all don't know what's going on inside of Food Town. That is a miserable place. Man, you were on uh, you were on Brad's podcast, Brad and Ron. Uh, yeah, love those guys. Yeah, both of them are from Deer Park. They're oh, we all shit. come from the same neighborhood. Wow. Yeah, like we went to high school, same high school. No shit. Yeah, like we didn't hang out. Like I uh, I knew Jake and Brad. Like I knew of them in high no. school, but we didn't hang out. Uh, like our our circles just didn't like yeah, our yeah. Venn diagram didn't overlap. You know, I I. I would say there's a like a couple pockets of places in Houston that are like that. They're not quite suburbs. They're just farther away. Yeah. And the people that get to come out of there are interesting because if you look at like Jake and Brad, like you cannot pigeonhole those guys. Yeah. You know, you can, you cannot, if you look at just a couple, a list of a few details about what they say or what they do or kind of, you know, whatever, you can't really figure out who they are or what Especially they're like. Especially with Jake. You take Jake and don't talk about music, but talk yeah. about anything else and dress him how he normally dresses and then try to figure out what he listens to and you're like probably some sort of jazz yeah, or like you will never <laughs> guess that he is in a pretty good pop punk band like deep yeah never fucking guess it yeah and open for fat mike recently yeah and uh brad he's brad's just a, a big bucket of worms i like brad a lot brad's great i still don't really understand that dude i mean him were friending pretty hard and then i guess I got pissed off about something, and then we kind of sure. cooled off. Yeah, I yeah. can see it. You guys, got, you guys got big personalities, so yeah. I can understand that. Their podcast is fun. If anyone listening is is thinking about picking up another local interest, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm supposedly going to be invited back. I don't know. Maybe they got it. They just got a good little vibe, and you know, it's. I I have a hard time with uh, structure though. The structure was weird. I was taking it because they didn't they didn't pitch me. They were like, "Hey, just come do this thing. It'll be yeah. fun." And I was like, "All right, whatever." And and so you feel you felt like you were fall, like having a uh, like be led led through it. Like the Scotch casts are fun because that's just like, oh, we're just gonna talk about whatever, drinking and talking. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I'm not a I'm not a Scotch cast guy. I don't do the drinking. But yeah. I don't. I, I do you mind. drink? I don't drink at all. No. Yeah. So me neither. Okay. So. uh Recently, I have uh, an, an estranged sister that I uh, pretty much have only talked to in the last like five years at my grandmother's funeral. And so I recently texted her. She's asked my uh, my ex, the mother of my kids, for my number like five times over the last five years and never texted me. So she asked, uh, asked her for my number recently, and I was like, fuck it. Give me her number. I'm going to force her hand. Mm. And... Um, so I told her like what I was doing and like where I was at my sobriety and telling her like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm doing comedy now. And I was telling her cause she used to never believe me when I told her I was sober. Mm -hmm. And so I told her like, you know, I spend nightly around alcohol, drugs, you know, people doing cocaine and stuff like all my, my vices that I could easily, you know, get access to every night. And I've never been more comfortable in my ability to say no. Mm -hmm. And then she just, like rips back at a well it brings to mind that old saying if you lay down with dogs you'll get fleas I'm like yeah fucking kidding me like i just told you like i just told you i got like fucking my 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 flea my my, my uh fucking flea collar on like I, I got my advantage treatment like i'm good <laughs> like just like shut the fuck up say like hey i miss you little brother like <sighs> she was 14 I when it. i was born i get it no, so no. like i ruined her life yeah but yeah I'm sure she like 
I'm sure that wasn't something she said a hundred percent out of maliciousness. It wasn't perfectly awesome, but you know, it's one of those like my my family. I'm I'm coming up on seven years sober. Yeah, like not a fucking drop. It's a boring existence. But my family. Yeah, but wait, what? You're 22. I'll be 22 in November. Yeah. So seven years sober. That's not as as impressive when like that's like juvenile like you're, you're yeah i was only i was only really getting getting fucked up there for like five years you know yeah like i i started drinking at 14 and pretty much was like just all about it until like 25 and then then i had one uh i had a moment that was just like holy fuck that was a night i can't do that shit anymore yeah but uh I I'm not trying to like demean you know you're drinking as a kid like that that, that yeah, those those are valid problems. Well, I mean, I definitely didn't like lose a wife or a car or anything. Like I don't have the sort of more classical, whatever. I you know I dropped out of school. I got arrested. I, like, yeah, cost no, that'll my, do it. That's I cost my parents fucking thousands of dollars. Like this shit was it was not. If you looked at me and any other like fourteen or fifteen year old or whatever, you're like, "What the fuck is wrong with that kid?" Like, whatever. I had like a, a crazy liver problem. Like, so because I think today I'm like, "Man, was that just like a, a phase that got a little out of hand?" Yeah. And like, did I am I sort of overreacting with this like you know, whatever thing that I'm doing now? But like, I don't, I don't even have that many memories of like, man, that was a fun time smoking a little weed with my friends, or that was you know that was a cool time that we got drunk and and listened to Aerosmith or something. It was yeah. most Mostly running away. It was just constant forms of running away. And I can still do that just fine today. You know, I try to limit as much as, as I can of it, but like I can still find ways to fucking you ever binge watch something? Like that's the best yeah. the best no side effects way to get the fuck away from all your problems. Yeah, no, I, I understand that because, uh you know, I I've been diagnosed as an isolationist, uh, and with escapist tendencies. So like that's why substance uh, are uh, such an easy thing to abuse is because it's it's an it's a form of escape. It is. And that's like I used to drink all fucking day. Yeah. I would I would I would I used to have vodka in a water bottle at, at my high school. Like I was just always drunk and doing pills and shit like that and it's because I I wasn't satisfied with life. Now, now I'm learning that, like, hey, there's shit that happened to me in my past that's affected how I, yeah. I dealt with shit. Yeah. And it's like I learned ways to not let that stuff bother me, but they were the bad ways. Like yeah. they were the absolute worst way to to save yourself from that shit. But um, my si- have you seen like uh like the last last scene in in uh Kill Bill two when uh Bill like shoots her with the mm-hmm. truth serum? It's mm-hmm. like, you know. When it comes to me, you're incapable of telling the truth, and when it comes to you, I'm incapable of believing a word you say. Yeah, like that's yeah. how me and my sister are. Like I've lied to her my entire life, so she's to a point now where she has the inability to believe anything that comes out of my mouth. Yeah. So I I like I I told her about you know my mental issues that because she hasn't we haven't we haven't talked since I've I've tried to get help. And so I'm telling her like, hey, I'm in therapy. I've got a doctor and everything. And I'm telling her like what my my diagnosis, like this is what they're calling it. And then she kicks back like, hey, well, I don't want you to fall into that uh, victimhood that mom had. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. mom was a fucking victim. Like she was cut off and crucified by every family member, including me. Yeah. Like we all we all victimized her. Like, yes, mom was a victim. Like she had every right. Like granted, she didn't have to cry about it all the fucking <laughs> time, but. Well, no, what I was going to say is that, like, you know, 
uh, so I had for me it was mostly the relationship with my parents that I fucked up and I remember like even like two or three years ago like I would be like hey I, I'm gonna go uh, you know, I'm going here. I'm going to go out of town. Or I'm going to do this or whatever. And my parents would be like, you're going to be okay. Like you talk to your sponsor or whatever. Like you do this. And I'm like, dude, I'm it's like, it's been years, man. Yeah. Like, and, oh. and what I realized, I was like, there's no reason there's no like good justification for them to to be shitty out of context yeah. or whatever but you if, earned it though, if i want to make that relationship better i just kind of i kind of gotta let them do that you yeah. know like and i wanted that i wanted a, a real functioning relationship with them so i had to be like all right you can shit on me i you earned that like i i, I kept you up enough yeah you know i i may just write enough checks that you can you can call me names a couple times or you can you know do whatever or make fun of me in front of people like that's fine I'll that's temporary and I have to get over that. Um, but once you do that a little bit and they realize they're like, Oh, I, I pressed, I poked and it still didn't fall apart. It still wasn't just another wasp nest. That's when you actually, that's the only time that you can really start another relationship. Yeah. Um, and if you don't want to do that, you also don't have to do that. If that's like too, too much of a drag, if it's too heavy, if it's like, I don't want any situation where this person in my life, is going to chastise me or whatever you don't that's nothing you have to do no one's going to tell you there's nothing there's no rules here yeah you know but if you want that it's probably probably gonna have to take it on the chin a couple times you know yeah no and i understand that and like my sister was 14 when i was born so like i ruined her fucking life like i was the worst thing to fucking happen to her and uh so i resent the childhood she had and I ended up like my failings as a human became, you know, the the disgrace of the family. So mm. she's disgraced to have me in the family and I resent her. <laughs> so like it, it's like it's very like a rough thing we have. And like really like what I want can't happen. I want us to like wash our hands of the past and say, hey, we're still kind of blood related. We're the last, you know, living members of, you know, the, the older part of the family. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just like let's just start anew yeah like because we we last had a deep conversation when i was 24 like mm. that's the last time we we chit chat i'm fucking 30 now like i'm not trying to get out of of my comeuppance for for everything but like i'm torturing myself enough yeah like uh there's not gonna be a day go by a day that goes by that i don't punish myself for for guilt that i carry like at some point i just want you to be like hey i still love you let's have pancakes you know well i think that i think you just kind of said it right there i think you're going to get to a point where you have to forgive yourself and then you can let other people start getting in there you know yeah um it's not dope though it's <laughs> not a fucking fun amusement park ride it's the shittiest thing you'll ever have to do like yeah. it's, it's not, not fun, fun even a little bit so uh what do you got coming up when's the next uh cooper's at that place calhoun's calhoun's um calhoun's rooftop bar we're uh, campus yeah yeah so we just did our first showcase there friday the 30th it was a, a ton of fun um the comedians that performed were fucking um, just like professionals like it was great it was it was great um and you know we had some some a lot of people that were like that was, it was really fun that was you know that was wow I can, I want to say probably like half that audience hadn't seen stand up comedy before it was yeah. a college show uh, U of H and um, so we told we we had an agreement with the venue that like hey we're gonna do one we're gonna promote it and see how it goes and then um, why don't you let us know if you want to keep doing this and you hit us with a schedule and we can book the next four or five so um, 
Have they hit you back yet? They said they want to do it. They haven't hit us with the schedule yet. If okay. I had to guess, the next one will be in three weeks. Okay. Um. So not the weekend of the 14th. The one after that. Do you know who's on that one? Um. Man, if I could remember, that would be amazing. Yeah. I know that Victor has asked. Victor Tran is the other comedian that I'm putting. Victor Tran's very, very good. He'll very be on the funny, podcast soon. Amazing. Uh, I talked to him recently. Professional. Uh, Andy Huggins. That's who's headlining. Okay. That's who Victor asked to headline the the next one. Um, and the features and guest spots are still. I'm sure we've already figured it out, and I just don't remember because there's, you know, things happening in, yeah. in the brain. You know the brain. So uh, keep an eye out for, for that. What are y'all calling the show? It's called No Class at the Rooftop. Okay, so I'll I'll, I'll be sharing it on the, the Year Zero Twitter and my personal stuff. Um, and uh, as always, um, I have my showcase at Avant Garden on Thursday. Um, that's always awesome. That was, that's a fantastic. I love that show. My favorite was last week when Gabe was out of town and you were like, you could see it in your in your fucking clothes that you were a little stressed that you yeah. were everything by yourself. And uh, and I had to show up. I showed up at like ten thirty to try to. Gabe told me I can grab one of those extra mic stands for our show. Yeah. The next day, and I was like, Hey man, can I use that mic stand? And he's like, You're like, it's on the stage. Just hang out till the end of the show. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man, it's. Gotta hang out till midnight or whatever. And Ku's hosting. Yeah. He was pretty drunk. <laughs> he was he was pretty gone, which I'm sure was adding to your stress a little bit. Uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Considering that when people get drunk, they always knock down my projector screen. Yeah, yeah, he knocked down and don't get me wrong. Ku drunk is still a better host than fucking ninety percent of people living. Like yeah. it was amazing to watch from an entertainment perspective. I can only imagine from a producing perspective that you were like, please just stop breaking shit on the stage. <laughs> like just stop. Well, he's definitely not the <laughs> worst host. Yeah, there's some there's some bad ones. I well, like the worst host we've had for yeah. for the Thursday show. Like I definitely th- not the worst. I thought he was really great, and he just comes up to me. So I'm like, I'm not stewing. I'm not mad. I'm just like, man, I gotta wait. Some fucking you know, I've been there for forty five. He's like, you gotta get on stage, man. And I was like. Oh no, it's fine. They're they're doing. It. And he's like, no, come. He just grabbed me. Like he moved. Yeah. He's like, I love your shit, man. You're getting on stage, man. There's like a couple other comics to the side of the stage, like waiting to get on. He just starts pointing at them. He goes, you, but then him next. Y'all gotta wait. And I was like, oh no, like <laughs> this. I'm not this kind of person. I don't yeah. bump people for no reason. Yeah. And now I have to go back and like apologize to. The, I was like, I don't, I'm not gonna. Ta- I didn't want to take your spot. He just. He told me we we're friends. I'm sorry. Are we still friends? Can we all be friends? <laughs> I need all the. I need all all the people to like me. Yeah. Like, I, no, I, I get that too. No. Like I, uh, I, I, I want everybody to like me. Um, it was funny though at your show, uh, Chase. Like Chase likes me a lot, but Chase has never seen me do stand up, and mm-hmm. so he's like, "Man, you're here. Like, you want to do a hot five? And I was like, "Dude, it's not my show. Like, to like decide that. Like, it's not your show either. It's like, come on. Like, I'll give you five of my minutes. So like, <laughs> fuck, like we we can't. Like, no, this is the thing. If, if Chase is on one of your shows and he goes, "Yo, this guy's doing five of mine," what do you tell him? No. <laughs> and like he was like, "All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go ask." So I was like, "No, no, no, don't, don't, don't. Like, seriously." No. And uh, I was like, I'll, I'll be on it one day. Just like, 
it's fine. Don't worry about it. But it's definitely. I. It was one of those shows. I want you on it, and I think that the first one would have been a weird place to put you. Yeah, it would have been weird. It started off as such like not hostile, but so close to hostile because it was the first time we're doing a comedy show that people don't know what's happening. So a lot of people haven't seen stand up before. A lot of college kids. The thing was is like my uh like my headspace that night. Like I had no material on me, but my headspace would have was good. Like I probably would have been pretty confident yeah, up there. Yeah. But uh, like definitely like when I do get on that show, like I want to be in the same headspace of just like going up there to have fun. It's like I don't know why I tend to make open mics like a bigger deal than they are. Like I get myself stressed out over the open mics because I was like, uh, you know, this is like this is work. This is work. Yeah, because it's it's work and your friends are there. Yeah, but it's, like it's the eyeballs. It's the the kind of eyeballs that are there. But like I did one of Brit's shows. Um, the, the sell your body show mm-hmm. and i i had a great set i had a great time i was super confident and i got a lot of laughs mm-hmm. and i was like i need to be in that headspace of just going up there and still wanting to have fun with it yeah. even uh to try to even have fun with open mics and i do not i hate open <laughs> mics. I, I do not have any fun there yeah. it's it's all agony i, th- I think the f- once you figure out where the fun is it's easy to tap into for me it's to these days it's been a lot more about how do i fucking how do I just do this, this job, man, without worrying about, um, the fun. Yeah. You know, like uh, that's, that's the thing you, you're on a show, you got to be entertained, you got to whatever, but like to get the process going, no other job. If you're like an accountant, if you're like, you know, doing data entry or whatever, like whatever it is, you can't, there's no part of your brain that's like, man, I'm not having enough fun. Like, no, you just fucking do the job, do the shit, grind it out, get it done, you know? And, and that's, that's sort of where I'm trying to transition into. I'm trying to be like, look, I, I know that it's in there. The moves are in there. Yeah. The bones of it are in there. I need to get this out when I'm having a shitty day. Yeah. You know, cause I don't, I'm not the, I'm, I def, I almost never scratch from a mic or from a show or whatever, but there's times Except where I'm that like, one time you scratched. After oh, I, yeah. I moved you up. <laughs> well, I had to fucking, I had to come here. If you look at my apartment, there's still boxes. There's still shit. Yeah, like, I expected to come here and see this place fucking pristine. Is that the couch you had to put together? Yeah. Yeah? That, that's why you scratched was for that couch right there. Well, for that couch, that chaise piece, and 40 boxes. <laughs> chaise piece? Chaise? Chaise? Chaise. Chaise sounds fancier, but it's wrong, I think. Yeah. Chaise? Chaise. Yeah. Um, I think that about wraps it up. This has, been, this has been really fun. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for a co-host, so we'll see. We'll see Ooh, response. That's, that's an interesting kind of. Or like there. not even like co-host, but like more like like a regular spot of when uh, I hate I I hate trying to like beat people down to get them to show up and stuff like they that. Call it sidekick, and that might be where I'm at. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a sidekick. Well, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm I'm looking for for a sidekick <laughs> for the show. Uh, also to to keep me like. Because uh, I get so busy with everything else that it's hard mm. to keep my drive up for, for my own personal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I feel like the part of the job description is also like, and someone to keep me slightly tethered to reality. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe call me and be like, hey, is this still happening? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally what, kind of what I'm looking for. This is really fun. If anyone's listening that's like, you know, has been asked or has been on the periphery. Fucking do this, man. This is a fun gig. I, I've asked a lot of people. Like, I ask a lot. Like, I ask if they're interested. I don't ask like, hey, like, do you want to do it this day? I was like, hey, are you interested in being on I my know, podcast? No, because it is. It is such a. Th- and I just. It's like the first question. Like, all right, if they say yes to that, then you can ask later. Like, yeah. all right, you want to do it on this day? You see him again in a couple of days, and you're yeah. like, what are you doing on the twenty eighth? You know. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's it, it's. 
and it's not really if you talk to most comedians they're like talk about myself for a cup oh my god yes but it does feel like this imposing thing i feel that way when i'm asking people to be on shows uh-huh. and that's like a big hey would you do your job and i'll pay you would you like to do that and i feel i'm like hey if you're not if yeah you're not, if you're not busy and you may you know maybe you want to you know, make a little money <laughs> yeah it's a weird it's a weird thing but you know that's that's the nature of like these social kind of it is and it's, it's such a like so much I don't know, comedy's weird. Yeah. Okay, good night.